Hey friends, thank you so much for tuning in to my first episode of Your Best Friendy Done. I am so excited to share this project with all of you, and I cannot thank you enough for choosing to support it and the other friends featured on the show. Just a quick heads up, for this episode I ran into some internet and sound issues while recording, so you might hear some static throughout, but the sound does get better as the episode goes along. I promise I will get this fixed before the next episode. But for right now, I really hope you enjoy this wonderful episode featuring my best friend and sister Maya. Let's start the show. Welcome to your best friend, Dunn, the podcast where each week I invite a new guest to become my new best friend. To kick off my first episode this week, I've invited a very special friend, my sister Maya, to see if we can become even better best friends. Here we go. Maya Levy, welcome to the podcast. How are you feeling today? I'm so excited. Thank you for being here testing this out. This is the first time the mic broke. I don't have headphones. You're laying down in bed right now. Are you okay is my first question to you. Am I okay? I mean, that's kind of a big question to start with. I will say that right now I'm like, I'm fine. Does that answer? Uh, why not? You know, yeah, you know, you're right. That was a, for the first question ever on this podcast. Are you okay? I think you answered it perfectly. I think you gave the people what they wanted to hear. Why don't you tell the, the podcasters who are going to be your friend, if you're going to introduce yourself to a room full of people, what would be the first thing you would say? I would say, howdy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. I would say, hello. Um, Hi. Hey, my name is Maya and I'm 24 years old and I live in Brooklyn, New York. And and I have a cat who is currently laying in between my legs on my twin-sized Casper mattress. Um, Casper, if you want to sponsor this podcast... Please be in touch with my new best friend, Dunn. And that's what I would say to a room full of people who are just meeting me for the first time. That is an amazing answer. That is beautiful. I would immediately want to become best friends with you. I'm assuming you're friends with all the people you live with? Hell yeah. How did you become friends with those women? Um, well, um, so two, two of my housemates... Um, Ariel and Eliza, they both did Avoda with me last year. And Avoda is basically like AmeriCorps, but Jewish. Um, surprise, I'm Jewish, um, if you couldn't already tell. Um, and so I, Eliza was my uh, roommate all year last year, except for the five months where she went home during the pandemic. And then Ariel was also living in the same apartment as me. Um, and so at the end of the year, Eliza and I knew we wanted to live together. Um, we knew we didn't want to live just the two of us. And so we recruited Ariel and then we found this great little, um, four bedroom apartment. So, um, Eliza also brought in her, her friend from camp Meredith. Um, and so we have a lovely little apartment here in Crown Heights. Um, really cute. Um, just what we need. And we share this apartment with our cat that I mentioned earlier, Kita. Um, who is extremely food aggressive 
Um, and um, fun fact, um, my dad, who also happens to be Eden's dad, um, likes to call Kita Totoro because he thinks she looks like Totoro, which, you know, he's not, he's not wrong. Yeah, he's, and, th- and so that's how I became friends with <laughs> everyone in this apartment. Our dad is obsessed with Totoro. We watched it over Thanksgiving holiday and he does not shut up about it. So I feel like he, in some ways, because Totoro is about friendship. You've seen Totoro, right? My neighbor Totoro. I actually have never seen Totoro. Okay, well, it's, <laughs> you should see it because it's about making friends, just like this podcast. We're tying it all together, Maya. When you were in the pandemic, you lived with a bunch of people. How many, you lived with like 12 people, right? Like 12. Well, uh, before the pandemic, before. I was living um, with 12 people um, oh. in, across two apartments on the same floor in Washington Heights. Um, so that's the thing about Avoda. Um, we, they kind of put us up in the same apartment and we all work at different nonprofits throughout the city. Um, so yeah, it was me and 12 other, well, so it was 13 of us um, living in Washington Heights. And then of course, once the pandemic hit, a lot of people ended up going home. So at our lowest point, there were three people in our apartment, um, me and two others who actually both happened to be from California. Um, so we had a group chat called California girls. Um, but at our height, it was like, you know, 13 before the pandemic. And then there was a period of a few months during the pandemic where it was really only five of us and we were very much vibing um in in this huge apartment um just the five of us and also uh so the new cohort this year apparently they're moving apartments because um it's cockroach infested which we all knew about we didn't even know that it was a possibility to move we were just like okay this is the deal we live here and so do these cockroaches big whoop you know would you consider yourself, do you think like you made friends with all 13 of, or 12 of them? All 13 cockroaches? All 13 cockroaches. Yeah. Do you feel like you've made friends with all 12 people you lived with? Or how did you become friends? I mean, here's the thing. I think that, you know, 12 people, it's a lot of people to to kind of get to know and live with. And I think that, you know, it's, you can be friendly with 12 people, whether or not you're actually friends with every single person. Um, you know, I would say that that's not as much of a reality, um, for me or for anyone. We, we kind of like gravitate towards our people and the people who we feel comfortable with and the people who we vibe with better. And so I would say that while I was friendly with everyone and, and, got along well with everyone. Um, I didn't uh, become, you know, friends with everyone in the way where like, I'm like keeping in touch with people right now. It's like, I'm keeping in touch with um, a select few, but I don't feel bad about that because everyone else was also keeping in touch with their select few. Um, You know, I think maybe there was a period of time in my life where that this fact would have maybe like hurt my feelings. And I would have thought like, oh, you know, I only have X many friends, like why aren't other people uh, keeping in touch with me? But I think once you grow up, you kind of realize like, you know, actually I I don't need to be friends with everyone. I don't actually want to be friends with everyone. I want to be friends with the people who want to be friends with me. And um, I actually feel pretty, pretty comfortable um, in that. I guess what I will say is that sometimes in thinking about last year, 
it does seem to be like there just seemed to be a pretty clear division on like pre-COVID and post-COVID in terms of like how the friend situation played out. I think pre-COVID, you know, people were going out and had their own sets of friends. And so the social dynamic in the house didn't feel all consuming in the way that it did once it was only a group of five of us and you couldn't go anywhere and all of New York City was locked down. So, you know, once we were in lockdown and quarantine, our whole social lives were the four other people in our apartment. So that actually did create kind of a different dynamic than what had existed before. Um, And I would say a dynamic that I actually really appreciated and loved because we had to create our own fun. Um, And, you know, we like made a uh, fort in one of our living rooms and we like would, you know, roll around a watermelon we would like, you know, fuck around on the roof and like just have our dance parties and like get drunk. And I was hearing so much in like March, April, May, et cetera, that people who weren't living in situations like mine were like really lonely and really bored and really isolated. And I at least had the privilege of being with a group of really silly, fun, amazing people who like just wanted to make the most of a really terrible situation. So really thankful for those people in that time. I mean, I went home with our parents because we had the same parents, me and Maya. And that was, you know, I never felt like I, you know, I know that my whole life, I was not like trying to make, you know, I couldn't make a fort. I couldn't like hang out in that way. And there are many moments where I was just like, man, I wish I was just like in a house with five other people. Cause this is not the first time you lived in a communal situation, right? You lived mm-hmm. Israel, right? After I graduated high school, I um, decided that I wanted to take a year and um, go on this program um, that was run by uh, my Jewish socialist youth movement, which Idan also grew up uh, attending and, and going to every summer. Um, and so they, they have this year-long um, gap year program for 18 year olds and basically they put you up in um, a home. You're all living together communally. But of course, as I said, it's a socialist movement. So you're also sharing all of your money. Um, So that was kind of wild. I mean, it was very much like a social experiment in a lot of ways. And I would have these moments I remember just like living my life in, in this socialist commune, kind of looking around being like, is this big brother? Where are the cameras? Like this is crazy. Like we're just a bunch of 18 year old babies. I mean, of course they didn't feel like a baby back then, but looking back on it, like we were total babies, like navigating how to be adults, quote unquote, for the very first time and navigating all sorts of, you know, challenging and also petty, like social dynamics and our different backgrounds kind of meshing and having to navigate, you know, the thing in Israel for a year. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was definitely to date one of the best years of my life. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, I know I just talked about my most recent communal living situation and said that I wasn't necessarily friends with everyone. But I think on my gap year program, actually, I, I did feel like I was friends with everyone. Do you feel like the, you, the lessons you learned there you could use for this thing? Or was it just a completely new situation in Brooklyn or not Brooklyn you're watching well I it's it's funny you say that I I think I came into 
uh, a year last year being like, I've done this before. Like I actually have a lot of skills that I've learned over the years that are going to suit me in this kind of situation. And I think, you know, that's kind of like a bold statement to say going into a new program, but I think it was actually pretty accurate. Yeah, I don't know. You, I think having, having had communal living experience, you kind of know which things are going to drag along a conversation longer than it needs to and what kinds of things like, or what kinds of methods you can employ um, to, to make everyone feel um, as best as they can, um, you know, in a conversation of this living situation, you went from like 12 people to five to four. Like, do you, do you feel like you could live? Like, what is, do you feel like you could live with <laughs> 12 to five to four to um, next is going to be one. It's just going to be me. <laughs> me and, you and Kita, you and the cat. I feel like you deserve to live by me yourself. and the cat. Cause I can't, I no. Always, no, I always think about that. Cause I'm like, should I, 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 I don't you? think that I would, I don't know. I feel myself, you know, as I am getting older, I I would not live in a house with 27 people, which is what I did on my my gap year after high school. Um, I would not do that again. I mean, maybe I would do it again under different circumstances. No. And the fact that no one is 18 years old certainly helps. Um, but it was, you know, just imagine what a house of 27, 18-year-olds would look like. Now think of it like 10 times worse than what you're already thinking of. That's what it was. It was gross. It was like messy. That was the thing that attracted me to it at the time. At the time, 18-year-old Edun, you said put Edun with 27, 18-year-olds in a house in another country where we could drink. I would have loved that. Like you try doing that with people like 25-year-olds. Yeah. Now it's they call it a they call it a TikTok house. That's what it should be from now on. It should just be everybody making memes and doing absolutely nothing and making money. You'd be a great TikToker, Maya. Like a great TikTok um, personality. Okay, th- I've heard this before, but I I don't know. Like, what does that even mean? You got like, the is that a compliment? Like, you just have the personality. You got the, you get, you can edit too. You're really, your visual artist is another thing. I forgot to tell you friends. Sorry. My sister is also a poet and an artist and she has a book out and she does digital media. You you post a couple funny things, you know? I think that I'm really funny online. I think (laughs) I'm really funny online. I don't know. Even when I do post something that I think is funny, like hardly anyone will respond to it. And I'm just kind of like, all right, I'm just like posting into a void right now, but you know what? That is okay. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think I'm funny online. <laughs> I like, I remember one time you posted, you had an Instagram story where you were like, this is my uh, uh, like commute to work, but it was like during the pandemic. And it was just you waking up and then you were like stretched and then you walked to your desk. And you're like, thank you so much for following my day at work. Yeah. <laughs> Just like in um, That was on, um, speaking of communal living, our house last year, um, we had a Finsta called Antifa underscore Semitic, which is an amazing Instagram name. Um, it's not that active these days, but um, every so often we do posts. So if you would like to follow Antifa Semitic, please do. Um, and so I had this idea while everyone was away, um, during the pandemic that we would do like an Instagram takeover. Um, and during my takeover, takeover, that was one of the bits that I, 
I did. I was like, hey guys, like, thanks for joining my takeover. Um, like, come join me on my commute to work. Um, and like you done said, it was just me walking from my bed to my desk, which lo and behold, I still do every single day. But you see, that's funny. My- that, that's a good TikTok joke. That is like, that's, a, that's what people want to see. That's what you need. You have, uh, you have like another TikTok on you doing pull-ups or not TikTok, even Instagram of you doing pull-ups, right? It's a little pull-up, pull-up queen. Right. So that's my, I have too many Instagrams. Um, I want, we don't have to go so through all my, you see, I already, my pull-up account is really, it's just to keep myself accountable. Um, every day I post a video of myself doing as many pull-ups as I can. Um, so far my, my highest number has been five pull-ups in a row. Um, which is pretty impressive if I do say so myself. And um, I like writing the captions for those posts because they usually have nothing to do with pull-ups. It's just like whatever, some random thought that I have throughout the day. Um, And sometimes Kita, my cat, will make an appearance. And um, yeah, I mean, that account has literally like 20 followers, but that's fine. It's just for me. It's just to keep me accountable. After this podcast, we'll have 200 new friends. Yes. That's what you want, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. TikTok would be the thing for you. It's a perfect, beautiful Friday afternoon. The sun is going down as we're speaking. It's going to be dark probably in 10 minutes. Um, But you are the shining sun, Maya. You are helpful here. So we're going to jump into the pop culture, our favorite things that we love. Uh, segment of this podcast where Maya is going to share her favorite m- things and we're going to talk about it and we're going to see where it, this conversation goes from there. That's cool. a vibe. It's a vibe for sure. I don't, again, as I'm telling my friends listening, uh, the mic is not working right now. So we could be recording and it could be picking up nothing. We don't know. Um, we'll we only don't know. know. We don't know. This is the fear. This is we've dealt with so much uncertainty the past nine months. We can handle a Who little. Bit. We can handle a little bit of a of an un, unknown podcast. You know, I, this is. I'm unemployed. Who cares? Let's do this. What is a band? What is a music piece of music album band song that you just love? Um. Well, I. You know, I have my all-time favorites, but honestly, I feel like that's kind of boring. So I'll talk about um, my recent favorites. Well, okay. Actually, I'll kind of, I'll kind of dip my toes into all-time favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, my all-time favorite genre of music is, um, I don't know that there's an official name for it, because also what I'm about to describe kind of spans lots, lots of different kinds of genres of music. But I love when music is has really sad content, like the lyrics are about a breakup or a heartbreak or, you know, just like feeling lonely or whatever. But the, the fucking beat is fucking bumping. So you want to shake your ass and cry on the dance floor mm. at the same time. That is my favorite genre of music and like genre is probably not the right word because you know you can have like a pop song or like a country song or you know like uh like a rap song you know what I mean like there's so many different kinds of genres of music that can encapsulate that idea so I'll say that to start um 
more recently, I've been into the genre of hyper pop, um, which um, if you know, like a hundred decks or like, um, like Charlie XCX, um, I've been recently, I've been listening to her most recent album, which was the one she made during quarantine, how I'm feeling right now or how I'm feeling now. Um, I can't remember the exact title, but it's a really, really good album. Just start to finish. Um, I think that hyper pop does a really good job of kind of, I don't know, like it's kind of like hyper as the name implies. Um, it's like pretty chaotic, but it also it's melodic. It's got a good beat. Um, I love to just like blast it. Um, and I don't know, it's, it's, it, it's helpful. Cause I think especially now in quarantine and we're all kind of cooped up in our apartments, like it feels nice to have a music that feels so opposite of that. Just so like screaming and running around and being chaotic. Like that's, that's kind of the vibe that I get from hyperpop. Um, and it's, it's also, it can be pretty like avant-garde and, um, out there too. So not for everyone, but I would say Charlie XCX is like, um, a good intro. Cause, cause she's, I would say like pretty, um, uh, like tame on the spectrum of hyper pop that you can find out there. Yeah, she's definitely um, she definitely connects with a lot of people differently than like a lot of other pop stars. She was like talking. I like remember she like said something in an interview where she was like, it was really strange recording it because she would be like screaming into a mic in her bedroom, and her boyfriend would just be like in the other room, like watching her do this. Like that, I think is like awesome. There's something very human about it, you know. But right. I personally hyper pop. I really like Rina Sawayama. Do you know Rina? Oh yeah, I actually just listened to um, her most recent album, which I think is just called Sawayama. Uh, right. Um, yeah. I. That's so funny you say that. I really love. Um, I really love the song Excess. Do you know that song? No, oh, I love that song. You do. I do. She's like pop, but it sounds like two yeah. thousands pop music. And metal music. Yeah. And yeah. Like sad dance. She does it all. She does it all. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and of course, like Rico's album oh, yeah, Rico's uh, is very good. Um, yeah, they were just truly, truly blessed with the kind of level of um, pop music that's coming out these days, I would say. Yeah, I think I think the Charlie XCX is great. Rena, I I think of it. I always think when I say Rena, I think of our grandmother, was named Rena. Rena, so, yes. Rena. <laughs> so I kind of when I whenever somebody brings whenever somebody brings up they go like Rena. I just I can imagine maybe she she's there. I feel like she's in the body of Rena. Yeah, Almost. absolutely. She's definitely Rena. Yeah. yeah. Also, I want to say too, um, the song, the song anthems by Charlie XCX. I oh, think yeah. like I have just been fantasizing about like, you know, the first party I go to after the pandemic. Like, if that song isn't on the playlist at least three times, like it's not. <laughs> It's I'm leaving the party. Yeah. Like it's just so good. I'm so bored. Wake up late, eat some cereal. Try my best to be physical. Lose myself in a TV show. Staring out to oblivion. All my friends are invisible. 24 7 missing all. I'm like cry like a waterfall. I feel afraid when I feel alone. Yeah. Oh, that sex me. 
still throw a party. <laughs> no. Yeah, me and Kita. What what makes you want to stay at that party when you listen to it? Well, I think that this song is actually a very good example of what I was initially saying about songs that maybe have kind of sad lyrics or are about something sad or people feeling lonely or heartbroken but the the actual beat of it is kind of the c- complete opposite um basically the lyrics of the song are like i'm like literally the first lyric of the entire song is i'm so bored which is so fucking true, you know? Like, we are bored. This is quarantine. We're cooped up in our homes. And I I don't know exactly at what point in quarantine she wrote it, but I'm sure it was, you know, towards the beginning when, you know, we didn't really know what was going on. People were locked down in kind of a whole different way than we are right now. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. Um, But yeah, like, she's basically like, I'm bored. I, like, try to you know, stay physical when I can, like, I'm here with my boyfriend, like, I online shop, and then the chorus is, like, I I want an anthem, like, I want to stay up late with my friends in New York City, I want to feel the heat from other bodies, like, I miss that, you know, and so there's this kind of, it does sound like an anthem, this song itself, and it, I don't know, to me, it just brings out that feeling of, like, you know, what it does feel like to be in a dark room, like packed with people, like all dancing, all a little tipsy, um, you know, just kind of living life, feeling the heat from everyone else, being free. Like there is there is a certain freedom to just doing that, um, that we aren't afforded right now. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, it's a really beautiful song and um, the, I don't know, the intensity of the like song itself does really well um, in bringing out the kind of angst and despair and hopelessness that we can feel when we feel lonely or when we feel separated from others. Um, and I think that's why they work so well together because it's kind of unexpected. Great. I love an anthem. Because I know you, I've known you for many years, Maya. And I many know, years. Every couple years. Many, many years. I've known, known this girl. I've known this girl my whole life. And uh, you always have like a different anthem every year. Um, but I remember when, and I won't bring it up, when you used to listen to Nobody, Mitski. Mm-hmm. Remember that song? You know that song? Do I? Do I know that song? Do I know it? Can you listen to that song? Because it's a similar theme. It's about loneliness and it's like you're in the party but you're the only one in the room, you know? Do you feel like mm-hmm. you're... Yeah, I mean, I think there's just something so beautiful about... I don't know. I think that people can sometimes shit on anthems because they're, like, made, they're like so universal, like, maybe to a fault. Like, oh, this is so generic. Like, everyone can relate to it. That's why it's so successful. That's why it's popular, doing well in, in the ratings and whatnot. But I think that that's also what makes pop and what makes anthems so good. You know, it's like, of course we can relate to it. Like, let's actually enjoy and appreciate and uplift the fact that we can all relate to these feelings, you know? And like a lot of these feelings, especially like feeling lonely or feeling like nobody or feeling separated from your friends, like those are really isolating feelings. But then when you have a song that's really catchy, that makes you want to dance, 
that's really popular, it can kind of lift some of the burden that you may be putting on yourself and saying like, you know what, these famous, talented people are making this kind of music that's doing really well and that's relating to a lot of people. I'm screaming nobody at the top of my lungs actually feel okay about it. Like it's a way of kind of aiming the fact that I feel fucking horrible, you know? Um, I don't know. I think and that that's also just like the power of words, the power of music, the power of art. Um, but I don't know. These kinds of songs uh, do a really good job at it. Um, yeah, very meaningful. I don't think that I could listen to Nobody by Mitski in the same way that I could like a year or a year and a half ago. Um, I think Mitski kind of has a different context for me now, which makes me feel like I can never listen to Mitski again. Um, But uh, I don't know, maybe one day. You'll come around. I was, yeah, I feel like uh, there's another pop star that I was like, sad dance music. Um. Yeah, I mean, also, I mean, I can just keep going. Like, Troy Sivan's newest album, Um, In a Dream, it's this pop album, but it's all about his breakup, you know, with his his ex-boyfriend of, like, many years. Um, And it's, like, a short album. It's, like, 20 minutes. Um, And there are songs there that make you want to dance, that make you want to cry. Like, it's, yeah, it's really excellent. Um, I really... And Rage Your Teenager, which is a, a song on that album, it's kind of in the same vein as Nobody or Anthems um, in, in the fact that, like, the whole song, when I first listened to it, I was like, oh, this is a song where he's, you know, kind of talking to his ex and saying, you know, the you, the second person you in that song is is his ex-boyfriend. And then I actually read the, the lyrics again, and I, I read this interview where he basically said, no, this this song is actually, it's kind of like a love letter to myself about how, you know, I'm like, everyone has this pilot light in them burning all the time. And I think with, we can sometimes forget that our pilot light is still burning. And in these moments when we feel really down or really heartbroken, um, you know, thinking about the teenager in us, thinking about um, the kind of excited person we were um, and, you know, falling in love with yourself again. I think that's so valuable, especially if you're feeling down or heartbroken. Um, and it does sound like an anthem too. So yeah, these are all songs I really recommend if you're into anthems and you're into sad, what, what do you think, like, sad, shaking your ass mo- music. <laughs> what do you think like makes an anthem for you, Maya? Like what is, what is the, like, what are the ingredients of an anthem? Um, I think I think the lyrics definitely play a role because I think that there are a lot of, you know, quote unquote anthems that you'll hear on the radio. Um, for me, sometimes they're substantive in terms of their lyrics and sometimes they aren't. Um, and so I'll list another example, which, you know, I'm sure a lot of people know the know, know this song, um, Dancing on My Own by Robin. Um, I think that's another quintessential example of like what an anthem to me sounds like. Um, But to me, it's got to have like a really good beat. It has to have lyrics that are both specific and universal. Um, And and the song needs to make you feel like, I don't know, the song needs to make you feel like, um, like you're in a specific moment or it takes you back to a specific moment. Um, Yeah, I think anthems are all about 
presence um, and whether that presence is in the loneliness of, you know, being Mitski and screaming, nobody, 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 or um, like Robin being like, I'm in the corner watching you kiss her. What, you know what I mean? Like these kind of visceral, emotional um, feelings that are kind of encapsulated in songs that feel really like a grand. Um, yeah. Yeah. For me, that's, that's an anthem. I had a phase where I, where I was really into like indie kind of like sad boy vibes, like college band. And now I literally cannot stand it. Like (laughs) I'm sure Phoebe Bridgers is great, but I will, I can't, I just can't do it. Um, I need something with a beat, like get that 808 going. Like Mm. I need to be able to like strut down the sidewalk. What? Yeah, you win heartbreak. Yeah, you 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 you're afraid of Phoebe, and it's okay. You know what? Phoebe is a, <laughs> she she's a type. But sometimes when I listen to her stuff, I really am like, oh fuck, it's I want to die. <laughs> like I'm like, um, yeah. Do you know Soccer Mommy? It's also sad music. Do you like Soccer Mommy? Yeah, I mean that is the kind of vibe of music that I like can't really listen to anymore. Although. I was listening to a, a soccer mommy song like yesterday, I think from her newest album. Um, this song like circled the, the dream. Is that what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's and I one. thought that was a beautiful song. It's a beautiful I really song. I liked it. It's beautiful. It's one of those songs. It's like sounds like a '90s pop song, but it's about her like going crazy. Like it's about her like depressive, manic depressive fits. Like it's about her trying to relate to people like it's very dark but it's you would not know like just listening to it um but i i cannot stop listening to that song recently i've just been like just like the guitar and every it's just yeah but it's weird because her voice is really good she's beautiful she's beautiful voice really good voice yeah i think there's like a lot of bedroom pop now that i think kind of molds into one like i think like snail mail or clara or all these kind of like wonderful beautiful singers but you know it's like really interesting to see people like i feel like sometimes it can get a little like lazy or whatever um but i'm like into that now i feel like i'm the opposite of you i'm like really into that like very soft easy but also dark pop thing no ma'am no No, ma'am today she said no she did not (laughs) she said not today she said no. <laughs> well, you have a lot of insight on it. And I think it's important that you are self-conscious. You're thinking about what you're listening to, Maya. You're not just casual. You're not like the Taylor. You Taylor Swift. Oh, yes. Like Lord. Oh, what well, 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 do we have to? We need her. Since Billie Eilish and Lord are so similar, if Lord was coming out with music at the same time as Billie Eilish, they would be more interested in Lord's music because Billie Eilish's music is so similar but the only reason why they like Billie Eilish is because it's an absence of Lord. Does that make sense? I feel like I don't, I don't know that I agree with that. I don't know that I agree with that. I think that I think in 2020 it's, I mean, it's hard to imagine because like my personal take on this is that Lord walked so that Billie Eilish can run. Yeah, but, everybody thinks that. Yeah, of course. But I think that if, if 2020 Lord didn't make in 2012 um, and both of them came out right now, 
I think that I kind of think people would be more into Billie Eilish. I think she's kind of more the vibe of of 2020. But I will say, I mean, rumor has it that Lord's going to release her newest album in early 2021. And when she does, I think, I mean, I hope and I know because I love her. I love Lord. I think she's going to perhaps steal the show. Um, And yeah, yeah. We need her. We need her. The melodrama is like, we're going to look back on that album and we're still looking back on it and being like, that's a pop masterpiece. Like that's an album that we are going to be talking about for many, many years. I think. Right. Cause it's better than. Yeah. And- yeah. And I mean, like she's also falling in this category of, you know, anthems of, you know, heartbreak and, you know, growing up and nostalgia in kind of these amazing complex um pop songs you know um she's a genius um yeah i mean also i don't know this might be a niche kind of reference but um when she turned 20 uh she posted this whole long thing on facebook about how she was turning 20 and it was like a goodbye to her teenage years and a goodbye to her youth and it was like really well written and so lord and i thought like i read that and i was like wow like i feel like we are kindred spirits like i felt the exact same way and i feel like i would have written this exact same thing um yeah she's great she's great i remember when because it was so quick when she posted her and arcade fire like released at the same time and you also love arcade fire and that's like your people know this friends this is arcade fire is considered Maya's favorite band, I think. Right? It was really connected. Yeah, historically. Historically. We saw them together many times. Well, I saw them once, but Maya's seen them many times. Lord has said publicly that Arcade Fire is, you know, one of her favorite bands. And I think Arcade Fire definitely returns that compliment. Um, Yeah, it was funny, too, because when they, I think, yeah, the same weekend or week or whatever that, Lord released Melodrama was when Arcade Fire released Everything Now, I think, which was is their most recent album. And there's like a lyric in one of the songs on their album, something, something, and then, of course, um, on one of Lord's songs in Melodrama. Can't remember which one right now, um, but there's a similar lyric that's like, blow the speakers, something, 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 you know? So they were kind of tweeting at each other and you know, saying how much uh, they're similar, even though they're also very, very different. Um, yeah, they're both great, great artists. Every night I live and die, feel the party to my bones. Watch the wasters blow the speakers, spill my guts beneath the outdoor light. It's just another graceless night. I'm going to ask you one more question to tie kind of the friend stuff and the art stuff together what's a meaningful moment that you had with a friend that involved a piece of art um that is it's a hard question I don't know um I mean I think it's it's kind of hard these days to like think to think back to any sort of public experience of art just because it's been so many months of lockdown um I don't know maybe maybe not to sound too self-centered but 
I'll say like when I I made this this video, um, which was basically um, I mean you can call it like a desktop documentary, which is just basically I I, I had a script and I. Um, had a theme, and basically I took all of these excerpts from my um, diaries growing up and kind of made this video um, and screen recorded my computer and I put it together over music, um, and it was my final project for my electronic literature class my junior year of college. And um, the whole point, basically what these excerpts were about were um, I was writing in my my diaries about how how distraught I was that I never had my first kiss, um, which is you know kind of silly and and vulnerable. But when you're like a kid, like that kind of feels like the end of the world. Um, and so I put this out. I made this video. I put it out into the world, and I don't know, just like hearing the response from people and even though it felt so so specific to my ex- my lived experience the fact that people were connecting to it in some sort of way um made me feel like it was worth it to make um and yeah I don't know if I'm doing a good job of answering your question also I don't want to seem like making this about me but I don't know I think you know, the experience of, of making that felt very kind of personal and very like, yeah, just specific to my own experience. So the fact that I put it out into the world and anyone even liked it or understood it was, was very special and, and validating and um, made me kind of feel like all of these things that I was going through and all these securities that I had growing up you know, it's it's nice growing up and realizing that you're not alone in those things. Um, yeah, yeah. So that I'll I'll leave it th- I'll leave it at that. No, I think that's a beautiful answer to it because I think when I'm thinking of like, in many ways, it's like yeah, it was about you. But I think as you said, it's like people relate to art. The best art is the ones that we, you know, they didn't have the experience you had but they totally get it. They totally, especially with that medium of the desktop and recording. That, which is like a really impressive, I don't think I've ever really seen that before. When people have diaries, it's like, it's so personal. It's like, oh, this is something I'm going to share with myself and no one will see. Um, When really sometimes those are things that we could also be telling our friends. Like we could also, like the things that we sort of tell ourselves that we're like so caught up and, 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 and feel like only we can handle it ourselves or afraid to say could actually be things that we can tell anyone, you know? So I think that's a beautiful answer. And I think that using uh, the like mediums that you have and the the tools you have to express that is pretty amazing. Because if it was self-centered, no one would care. No one would give a, sh- you know, if you were just mm-hmm. like, this is my life. This is what I would do. I don't want to see that. I'm sure it's nice to you. It's boring. Like there's that really great quote that says, take a broken heart and turn it into art. It's a very intense time, that time period. What was it? When did you... Re- have that di- like diary like middle school high school um well the the whole the kind of um concept of the piece was in 2012 if if anyone can remember that far back like there was this whole thing about the Mayan calendar um mysteriously 
ending on December 21st, 2012. And so everyone thought, you know, the apocalypse is going to happen. It's the end of the world. And so, of course, my name being Maya, I, I used to write all of these little things in my diary about how, like, Eclipse was coming and I still haven't had my first kiss and it feels like the end of the world and I kind of used that idea for this video and like played on the idea of like an apocalypse or apocalyptic thoughts and feelings and applied that to being a young person never having had their first kiss and so I compiled a lot of different diary entries not all of them were from 2012 but around that time um, that have to do with how I was feeling and you know, feeling lonely or insecure, or feeling weird or different, or like something was wrong with me, um, and tying that into the idea of the world is ending and I still haven't kissed anyone. Woe is me. What am I going to do? The world's going to end and I'm going to die a virgin, basically. Um, yeah. And of course, like I said, play on words with the Mayan apocalypse and my name being Maya. And Just one last little question. What is a, something that you, like a piece of advice you could give to anyone right now? Yes, I'm glad you asked this. There's two things that I'll share. The first is, you know, speaking of being a young person, this is something I used to say to myself. It was my mantra in middle school. I would like say it to myself over and over again. Um, and, you know, it still works now, still relevant. Um, it goes, and I'm sure you might've heard this before. Um, it's uh those those who matter don't mind and those who mind don't matter. Um, it's just, you know, remind yourself that it's so easy to get caught up in what people think about us, what people say about us, what we think people think about us, what we think people say about us. But really, when you take a step back, the only things that matter, or the only people that matter are the people who care about you. And there are so many people that care about you, you know? So if someone's a hater, basically pay them no mind um, because there's a lot of people who don't mind and those are the people that matter. Um, and then my second bit of advice, this is a direct quote from someone. Um, I don't know who, but we can look it up later and I'll read it to you. I have it above my desk. Um, it says, as soon as we know that something is real, we can no longer be attached to it. Attachment is no more nor less than an insufficiency in our sense of reality. We are attached to the possession of a thing because we think that if we cease to possess it, it will cease to exist. Um, and I love this quote because I think, you know, if you're if you're if you are or have experienced heartbreak, this quote is for you. Um, I think we're so scared to lose people, but this is never mind but that. Um, being afraid of losing something is it's just an insufficiency in our reality. Um, when we're no longer attached to things, um, we can actually enjoy them and appreciate them because they are real, even if they're not real right now. Just because we don't possess something in the current moment doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Um, and that's a very helpful quote. So those are my two words of advice. That is an amazing quote. You have to send that to me because I, I don't think I've heard I will. I don't know. Who is that? Do you, is this, where did you find that? What is the... Um, I saw it on Instagram. Um, it was some author. It was some author. Um, I'll, I'll send it to you. Please do. Thank you so much, Maya, for being my very first guest on this podcast. You feel like you've been too good. 
like this could not have been better and the podcast right now <laughs> only one episode <laughs> oh my do you have anything to plug real quick to your to anybody any uh, so you can visit my website which is www.mayasolevy.com that's my full name m-a-y-a-s-o-l-l-e-v-y.com um, it has a lot of my work on there, including the video we were talking about and some other things as well. Um, or you can follow me on Instagram if you want. My handle is fuego underscore taki underscore queen. Um, yes, Steve. Thank you, Maya. Well, Bye. Your Best Friend Edun is produced and hosted by me, Edun. Music clips by The Avalanches, Charlie XCX, and Lord. Special thank you to Maya for being an incredible guest and for designing the artwork for the pod. You can once again follow her on Instagram at fuego underscore taki underscore queen or by visiting her website at mayasolevy.com. If you are interested in being on Your Best Friend Done, visit the show's Instagram at your BFE Done for the link to the Google form you can fill out. Anyone can be a part of it. Thanks so much. <laughs>